You're listening to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Our guest today is Yale, founding member of IOB.fi. This episode is brought to you by IOB.fi. Cryptocurrency price fluctuations become great opportunities for those who are prepared. Much like stocks and commodities, the crypto markets also go sideways. Fortunately, asset classes like cryptocurrency also have different price cycles themselves. Being able to track cycles and trade when the right moment presents itself is how many on Wall Street have created generational wealth. Now you can too through IOB.fi. I'm your host, Dustin Plantle. Join us as we dive into the world of economics, politics, tech, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency. For even more crypto-related news, sign up at news.bitcoin.com or follow us on Twitter at Bitcoin.com. Now let's bring on our guest. Yale, welcome to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Hi, Dustin. I'm a big fan. It's an honor. It's a, a pleasure to be here today. Well, you know, there's a lot of people who say that, but I can see it in your eyes. You really mean it, Yale. And that's what excites me most about talking to entrepreneurs, pioneers, and that's what you are. So, so let's talk about IOB.fi. How did this come about? All right. It's uh, in the crypto sense, it's a three year in the making. And uh, obviously, it is a continuing doing I have been doing for 25 years. Um, I got into the crypto business since 2017 officially. So the company before it was changed to a DAO and it was first started in 2017. But we were ahead of our time. So it has been a turbulent three years. Finally, we are here now. The time is almost ready for what we want to do here. Yeah, now let's talk about entrepreneurship. I mean, time. It's an investment. It takes time. That many people in this world, they want it now. They come up with a good idea. I got a great idea. And then they don't recognize or they don't understand that it's going to take time for that idea to be able to become what it was meant to be. So what has this cost you? And not financially, but time. How many hours has it taken to get here? Oh, it's countless. Uh, I work still right now like uh, 14 to 16 hours a day. And, uh, well, there's a little bit uh, of uh, an interesting reason why a guy came from a Wall Street background is so much into the Bitcoins and uh, many other crypto-related stuff. So uh, do you like to hear a little bit about, about that? Absolutely. Let, let's dig into your story. How did you go from being a, and I'm doing this in air quotes, a finance guy to like the crypto guy? I am still a finance guy, we think. And uh, we're always in the forefront of a technological advancement. And uh, in 2008 and 2009, we started into the high-frequency trading FHT on Wall Street. We had a great success. My partner at that point, one of the top guys in the algorithm data processing in the entire world. In fact, he was a winner of a financial data process, process computation. So we started, we planted in 2012 to take advantage of the commodities exchange establishment in China. 
that gave us a leg up and to arbitraging uh, the new exchanges in China with the Western established like uh, CME and uh, New York Stock Exchange. So we went back to China and uh, we were too much soaked into that. And uh, in fact, we were the first one, we built a dedicated fiber optical line from the Shanghai Commodities the Futures Exchange to New York. Uh, exactly, the server, server room was in actually New Jersey. We co-located our servers inside, the, inside the, stock, the stock exchange. We were doing fantastically. And in the beginning, just some commodities. And a few months later, China started trading stock indices, futures. And uh, we did very well. We were doing uh, a daily average of about 100 million RMB, somewhere around $17 million a wow. day. So we did pretty well, and uh, and one of the pioneers of high-frequency trading there, but that didn't last long. And on the way up in 2015, the uh, Chinese stock market, we did very well, and we did even better for the first two months of a crash. But the Chinese government shut down the index trading because that's easy blaming the high-frequency guys to crash the market. So that business is essentially dead. I had to look around. We invested millions into that whole operation. We made money, but now we couldn't do anything. And I remember in 2013, I read something about Bitcoin and new money. But I wasn't smart enough back in 2013 to do anything about it until only now I got the real look around something more censorship resistant because we had a several million dollars worth of infrastructure lying there almost doing nothing. I was convinced this is a new future. So I started buying Bitcoin first at around 430. And uh, subsequently, I bought the Ether first time at $8. So the rest is history. That's incredible. And you really got in, in, in my opinion, at the bottom. I mean, this was a new asset class that not a lot of people from Wall Street were even focused on because it appeared to be too speculative. But isn't stocks themselves, aren't they speculative in nature? Absolutely. But uh, uh, we're traders. And the world an investor for Bitcoin, I believe it's it satisfies both of my needs and the long term investment as well as uh, uh, short term trading. I love trading. I love volatility. I love crashes. I'm, I'm not sure I'm allowed to say that. It's kind of anti-America a little bit. And uh, because all this kind of volatility time that gives us the opportunity, uh, I was so convinced uh, Bitcoin can be a long-term money, a new money uh, disruptor. I wrote a post, I believe it's July 2016 on Steemit, uh, still there. I was one of the few foolish people in the world calling Bitcoin maybe $1 million. I had a simple calculation. I, I said it could be 50 to $1 million in five to 20 years. I really don't know when. I still don't know when. 
but uh, it will be a lot higher even today. After many years, I believe it will be way higher than where it is right now. So Bitcoin will be way higher than 500 billion in market cap. That's what I know. So on, on one hand, where, where I am, as well as my firm, are investors, the Bitcoin we bought, we kept on the side. The Ether we bought, we bought in there. We're not going to touch it, no matter what is the market volatility. So we sent our stuff, went to almost 20,000 and dropped to 3,000 and then came back. That doesn't bother me a bit. Hands of steel, Yale. I mean, you got hands of steel that you held. Uh, held We have that convection. Yeah, we do have that convection. But meanwhile, we're trading. We are trading. If you look at our website, the charts we have, and um, especially this is a track record that is publicly available since uh, uh, I think it's July 2019. And uh, in March, we did very well. The, the past March, when the market crashed on the 13th and the 14th, those days. And uh, so crashing is itself for a trader is not a problem. But how do you see it? I mean, there are, there are people that are traders, and then there are those who really understand the market. It, can you win every time, or are there times that you lose? That's a great question. That's a big the misconcept uh, by most people out there. Uh, we don't predict the market at all, and uh, we let the market tell us what to do uh, through discipline and the consistency. Do we win every time? Absolutely not. Win rate has no meaning in this business. If you try to win most of the time, not the, not only what, all, all the time, you are commit yourself to take a quick profits, small profits to be right. To be right bears no meaning in my profession. My, my business is let my winners wrong and cut my losses. So I cut a lot more losses than my winnings. Uh, which trade with algorithm? We develop our own computer algorithm to do our execution but we're still the thinking engine after a uh, be after that uh, uh behind it so our win rate usually less than 60 percent in some markets even much less but that's okay so long as my winning is three more times than my losses my average winning average loss we're in a good shape and this applies to all the great traders, all the successful traders. Nothing special there. Now, I got to ask you, though. I mean, this does come with a big time commitment. We're unlike traditional markets that turn off at a particular time of day, that the crypto market is always on. So how do you find the balance of, of having a family and being a full-time trader in that can you ever turn it off in the space? No, you don't turn it off. But uh, meanwhile, personally... Uh, you have to be indifferent. I don't look at my trading at all. I don't look at the, the, my engine. I don't turn on the engine, which is it's in the background. And I don't look at the, um, my precision going up or down. That doesn't mean anything to me because we don't win by each trade. We win by the overall results. So 
in this way, every single trait makes no difference to me. We have this risk control principle. We treat every potential trait as a loss. So I know what my maximum loss is at any second, every moment. So that's why I can sleep at night. Yes, it is a 24-hour market, multi-market trading um, operation, but I only look at the downside. As long as my maximum downside is in place, the upside takes takes care of itself. So I'm very, very happy with that. Now, I hear from a lot of people out there that, especially those that are these, that that deem themselves as being traders, is that they typically set a stop loss. And the stop loss would be, now I'm telling you, I am not a trader, I'm not one of those, but that they would set a stop loss that they're not willing to lose any more than one or two or 3% of their entire portfolio on a trade. Is that the sort of counsel or is that the sort of wisdom or advice that you would give to people that are new entering this space? That's very smart. And for us, uh, depending on different portfolio, you are really dig into our straight secrecy now. I'll give it up, <laughs> man. I, I, I want to know. Give, give us the secret sauce. Um, different portfolios and uh, some of our stop loss level are much, much smaller. Less than 0.5%. 1%, 2% are very, very high. If you're willing to lose 1% of your total portfolio, you better hope your annual annual return is in the mid to high double digits. So for portfolio, you're looking for low double digit return, which is very reasonable and our staple portfolio, the one we are running right now, we're advertising on our website. We are aiming at um, low double digit return, but a very small max drawdown. And uh, for that kind of portfolio, you cannot afford for more than 1%. Now, in terms of how many open trades will you have at any one time? Is it go out and throw a dartboard and pick 75 or 80 of these coins, or or do you hyper-focus in only on a few? Uh, totally not up to us. However, we are in our trading system, we are concurrently monitoring the system, monitoring 20 to 30 markets. Whatever meets that uh, criteria, we will get in, in, in individually. But meanwhile, if they are highly correlated uh, markets, we will consider the one. So we, we might limit our additional new positions. And all this goes back to a total portfolio management. So what's most important thing in trading, most people are not talking about it. The most important thing is your objective. Objective. What is objective of this trading portfolio? What's objective of this particular trade? The second thing we are looking at is something on our, on our chart. We have a proprietary market indicator, a trading indicator we call the market types. So we must know what is this particular instrument or trading pair in the crypto lingo, where it is. It is very bullish, bullish, choppy, bearish, we're very bearish. We are currently, currently 
classifying five different uh, conditions types. Then we are looking at particular entry and exit strategy. So if we're talking about this, I'd like to mention a little bit thing uh, we observed. We think that's a major problem right now. This is, there is a very toxic online trading culture. People don't really know what they're doing. Are most advocate, uh, most most vocal, most vocal talking about trading. I don't know if they actually trade, but all their emphasis were the short term results. And the, but the most damaging to to average trader is they give people a, some kind of a notion. If you know this pattern or that, you can project predict the market in the future. When they're talking about that, they're talking with 120% conviction and certainty. We did this, we have a chart. Everybody right now has a trading view chart. They draw a whole bunch of lines on that, and that's the projection. That's where the market's going. It is not. Market is not a simple logic. Whatever worked in the past will never repeat exactly. It might have some sort of indication to you. That is why we have our entry strategies. But meanwhile, anytime we can change our mind because the market is changing. So we're flexible. We're willing to admit we, that precision entry was wrong. We get out. That's probably, most, yeah, I got to tell you how to jump in. That's probably some of the best counsel that I personally have ever received because even I have been indoctrinated to believe that that cycles keep continuing a little bit different, but that history keeps repeating itself within the crypto space. And and yet you look at it and you realize that that it will not keep happening like it happened before. It'll happen differently. So let me ask you then, why are these pullbacks? You know, you, you see the momentum that a particular coin, I'll use Bitcoin, Bitcoin is running. Why does it run? And then it drops 12% or 3% or 2%. What causes that? I mean, if there's so many buyers, there's a lot of excitement around it. Why does it keep having this pullback? As a, as a trader, I don't care. I don't care. I don't ask why, because uh, it is not that one single answer. It must be a millions of reasons. Just like the, the great Jesse Livermore said, it is going down. That's all I need to know. Or it is going up. That's all the reason I need to know. That's it. Simple as that, because anyone try to quantify with one or two simple, logical cause and effect reason are bound to be a loser. That person, I can guarantee you, is not a successful trader, no matter how good they are as an analyst. So that it sounds I, to me that your platform allows people to see through the emotion and find the facts. Emotion is uh, probably one of the biggest factors cause the market to go up and work down because there are millions of participants. They are constantly facing the uh, two things in, the, in, in themselves, the greed and the fear. And with any moment, one is going to overcome the other. So, so that's a constant battle. And collectively, that causes the market to go up one day last few days like that, they can go up 8% and then what really changes the next day? 
and went down 8%. That's exactly what happened. And we and the trader, we program all these possibilities in there. And uh, even though currently our particular pool, we don't try to catch this type of a small intraday movements, but we are prepared for all these possibilities in our algorithm. So how do we learn more about IOB.fi? Uh, it's on our website, IOB.fi. And uh, once we, I, I, I should have mentioned that we made this transformation instead of a private hedge fund before, we changed that into a DAO. Uh, your your listeners might know that that is a uh, uh, decentralized autonomous organization. So everything is online on chain, and uh, our current portfolio is a 100% on chain. Every position we had is viewable, regardless if you own any shares or not. So on chain movement is what we have been waiting for for three years. As I mentioned to you, uh, 2017, we were planning a fund. We were planning a $100 million raise, but uh, we only did a pre-ICO uh, raise the $8.2 million. And uh, two months later, I talked to my partners, the market is not ready. We don't know what to do with that, with that money. So we scrapped, we stopped the ICO. We told the investors, if you guys are Waiting, uh, going along with this new plan, stay with us. If you want to get out because we're changing our plan, we give you 100% refund. We did that. And uh, 400 some people stayed with us. And fortunately, for some of the, uh, for, for the ones who stayed, we couldn't do our quantitative trading at that point. The market is not ready. Even the centralized exchanges were just emerging. Binance was just not a, even a, not a known name at that point. So we started some uh, uh, venture capital type of uh, investment. Many of them didn't go very well, just like uh, in crypto space, just like any other VC investing. But the one investment made more money for us than rest of the investment we put together, we, we distributed it to those people who left, who stayed with us more than $2 million in dividend. So we were actually back then, the first crypto project that gave people back uh, dividend, it was uh, uh, also picked up, the news was picked up by Yahoo Finance back in 2018, yeah. Wow, well, congratulations. And thank you again for sharing your story on the Bitcoin.com podcast. It's my pleasure. You've listened to another episode of the Bitcoin.com podcast. Subscribe at news.bitcoin.com, where your journey begins.